This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Many worthwhile organizations are supported by generous Americans. If you contribute to one or more nonprofit charities, you may not be aware of the benefits of planned philanthropy. We'll talk to an expert who has helpful advice. Most people think that philanthropy exists for the ultra-rich and only the ultra-rich, and that's absolutely not true. Philanthropy is actually more of a middle-class project. Then, Medicare is federally funded health insurance for Americans over 65. But choosing the right program can be stressful and complicated. The average person definitely needs some guidance, but the issue with that is the guidance is not easy to find. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Making a charitable donation is a great thing to do, but how do you know if the money is actually going to those who need it? Here to discuss this is Les Winston. He is a professional philanthropic advisor. Les, we see these sad-faced ads for charities with suffering dogs and cats and children in hospital beds, and we want to help. How do we know if the money is going to be properly used? There's actually three forms of giving, in a sense. There's actual giving, then there's charity, and then there's philanthropy. Giving is the act of helping somebody else, whether it's monetarily or in any other form, volunteering, for example, is to give your time. But that is not very involved. That's usually a seat-of-the-pants feeling. It's kind of, I like what's happening here, or I want to help this person. I see a need, and I'm going to give them something. Charity is a little bit more involved. Usually it's where you like a particular charity. A charity has been telling you what their case is, what they are all about, what they do, and you agree with that, and so you want to support it. And the third level is actually philanthropy, where it's not just supporting, but you also are looking behind it to see what you're building, to make sure that what you're doing and what you're giving to is going to fulfill their mission and you actually get involved and you can become greatly involved in some of the charitable work that's being done in the country today by just taking part, learning about what the people are doing. You can go to certain websites like Charity Navigator, for example, to look at the background of the organization to see their tax returns. And you might want to look at that and investigate it if you're making a large contribution. Just to touch again on these very slick ads that are run, Those ads cost a lot of money to produce, and then they give you a high-pressure thing, donate in the next five minutes and you'll get a free T-shirt. Are those the kind of things that should be red flags for the average person when they see that type of uh, pitch? Yeah, in a sense, it's one of the reasons why we created the Endow American Network Foundation. Uh, We created a foundation that is intent on endowing America, and what we mean by endowing America is that we're looking to build enough capital in nonprofit or non-governmental organizations so that they don't have to ask for support on a regular basis. Basically, what you're seeing is a symptom of the problems that charities are having today, and that is that in order to support themselves, they have to appeal to get current money. And current money is very difficult to get sometimes because you're competing with a lot of different charities. So there is a lot of marketing and a lot of advertising campaigns that are set up 
to allow the nonprofit organization, the non-governmental organization, to be able to support its needs. But if you think about it, if they're giving you something in return, they had to pay for that, so that's a cost that's not going to the charity itself. The people that are probably calling you are being paid to call you because they generally do use calling systems. And so you have to take that into account. If it's something that you really care about and you start to look where you can give your money, it's much better than dealing with people who are appealing to you because they're trying to make the appeal work on your psychological and your decision-making process. We're talking with Les Winston, who's professional philanthropic advisor. Les, is there any kind of a rule of thumb as to the amount of money you wish to donate that kind of crosses over between just mailing a check versus doing some planning and talking to an advisor? Is there an amount that really kind of triggers the more professional approach? That is the issue. When is it appropriate to use charitable planning and how does it relate to what I want to give and how much can I give and whether I'm a qualified individual to do philanthropic planning? Most people think that philanthropy exists for the ultra-rich and only the ultra-rich, and that's absolutely not true. Philanthropy and philanthropic planning is actually more of a middle-class project that the Congress gave us in 1969. They said that if the average taxpayer will give something at their demise, at their death, we'll give them lower taxes while they're alive. And that bargain has never been communicated to the people properly. So what we're trying to change is we don't think that it's appropriate for government to give money to non-governmental organizations. And that's what a nonprofit or a charity is. And the government, I believe, has been using non-governmental organizations for a long time inappropriately and supporting them inappropriately. And that's become a pattern now where a lot of nonprofit organizations believe that their support only comes from the government, and that's not consistent, nor is it controllable. So what we're saying is we want to endow the nonprofits, the non-governmental organizations. We want to give them enough capital so that they can support themselves forever, and that's perpetual giving. That can only be done by a lot of people doing the same thing, and that is considering using Section 664 of the tax code or social charity, as we call it, social SE charity. The advantage to a lot of people is that they can give non-cash assets. So just to give you an example, if an individual had a vacation home, for example, that they bought 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and now it's worth three or four times the amount, they don't use it anymore, the kids are grown, nobody goes there, and they want to sell it, they're going to have to pay a capital gains tax. And using these social charity devices in Section 664, they can eliminate the capital gains tax on the sale and use that asset to produce income to its full extent. That's a very important benefit. You've got the baby boomer generation, which is, you know, getting ready to go to the great beyond. That generation, from what I've read, holds most of the wealth in this country as far as individual wealth. And so they're going to have to decide what to do with that. You know, if they have a surviving spouse, that's easy. But, you know, maybe give it to their children or give it to a charity. What's the best choice for somebody who isn't so much interested in the tax part of it, but more interested in just preserving as much to pass on to some charity? What's the best route for them to take? Is this something they can do on their own as well? Yes, they can, absolutely. As a matter of fact, the principle behind this is that the individual can deal with the charitable planning on their own, 
by doing what's necessary, but you need to have a trust document. The trust needs to be set up in the proper fashion to suit the individual. And then the individual basically is the trustee of the trust, and then he also the income beneficiary of the trust, and they control how the investments are done. So the individual is really creating a separate person that's the philanthropic person. And they can do that relatively easy, but it's complicated from the perspective of what you're putting into the trust and how it's going to work. Well, Les, we're just about out of time here, but I'm wondering if you could just sort of wrap this up and maybe give some words of encouragement to our listeners to look into this. Sure. I think the most appropriate thing to do is to first investigate the website. Look at socialsecharity.org, S-O-C-I-A-L, Secharity, S-E-Charity.org, and you'll see information in there about the differences between different types of planning devices, where the advisors can be found, and you don't have to be ultra-rich to do this. Listen, they could change the estate tax laws any moment, and people that with small estates become eligible. We don't know what they're going to do. So it's always best to plan in advance and try to avoid as much as you can legitimately, and that's what this does. Les Winston, professional philanthropic advisor, we thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, and thank you for having me. Next, how to avoid Medicare mistakes. That story coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 